Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the city of Lagos and beyond renewed by the gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Morning, church. Morning. A Bible reading for today is taken from the book of Ezra 6, verses 1 to 12. And when I finish, I would say this is the word of the Lord, and please repeat. Respond, thanks be to God. King Darius then issued an order, and they searched in the archives stored in the treasury at Babylon. A scroll was found in the citadel of Ekbatana in the province of Medea, and this was written on it. Memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices and let its foundations be laid. It is to be 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide, with three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tetanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shetabozani, and you other officials of that province, stay away from there. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for bond offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given to them daily without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this edict, a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled on it. And for this crime, their house is to be made a pile of rubble. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning, church. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, Okay, can we just um, bow our heads or shut our eyes?
the unfolding of your word gives light. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. May every argument and knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, every imagination, be brought down in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Um, yes, some weeks back, there was a training video um, on the online, right? <laughs> and so it was a video of uh, Pastor Ibiyomie. I was corrected that you pronounced it well in the first service. I say Ibiyomie. It says Ibiyomie, yes. Thank you very much, Ofere. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor David Ibiyomie, right? Am I guessing it? Yes, oh, free now. I mean, shout out now. I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> so, he had said in the video that, you know, very interesting, that no matter if Nigeria economy tumbles, I don't care. I will still prosper. It cannot affect me. And he went on to say, I gave God one million dollars when I had no house. You see, he even used um, 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 a text from Malachi 3, where the Bible just said, prove me now and see, with your tithes, with the old tithes, prove me now and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. He said, prove God with one million dollars when he had no house. And I think this is where it got very interesting for a lot of people. And this is where people didn't really vibe with the story. A lot of people didn't vibe with it. And they say, he said, that is why I am one of the richest pastors on earth. And so I say, you see, this is it. This is it now. This is the problem. This is the manipulation. This is trying to get people to give what they have. So everything. I want us to understand this. I know that the text, that text has been bastardized. I know that that text has been used to manipulate. I want you to understand that you see, City Church as a church does not believe that God is a, is a cosmic ATM machine. You know, we said this over and over again, that you put in something and then you get something out. No, City Church does not believe in that. In fact, Pastor Fermi preached a series last year called, Is It Your Money? And one of the sermons in that series was called, The Measure of a Steward, where he dealt with this comprehensively. So we have to go back to this text. This is Malachi 3, right? This, this text is still the word of God. It is still true. It is true when Pastor David infers that there is an economy that supersedes the earthly economy, the Nigerian economy. You see, I don't understand. You know, we could not believe. How can someone give God? <laughs> like, Three weeks ago, how can someone give God $720 million? $720 million naira. How can God, someone give God, two weeks ago, $850 million naira? How can someone give God, yesterday night, $950 million naira? No, no. Doesn't make sense. And I understand. You see, things are hard. 
If you came for the financial seminar yesterday, experts showed us how why things have become hard. New Naira note policy, petrol subsidy removal, things are hard. High cost of everything, my value of Naira gone down, purchasing power has gone down. Right? I was chatting with Kenny, and Kenny was talking about saying, man, we refuel max. Chicken Republic, they used to sustain boys. Refuel <laughs> max. That year, 500 Naira. Better rice like this, better chicken. Although I used to suspect them that time. Because I feel this chicken, this kind of size. <laughs> Only God knows where they are investing this chicken from. <laughs> but we still bold. We bold. But now, how much is refuel max? One five. But if you cannot afford one five, there's one K old. But instead of chicken, they'll put egg. <laughs> Boiled egg, white. <laughs> Guys, we are seeing ridiculous figures on Uber, boat, in drive that we've never seen before. Someone boarded from VI to Ikorodu, 16K. 16,000, yes, now. Boy. Of course, why, does not. why is he even boarding? <laughs> Idea is need. Service estates. Ola, just moved to one service estate. Bowling, everything new, God has promoted him. Okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. As they move, you have never done housewarming. They just send memo. Ah, before you came, the gen are spoiled. So, so contribution per house, four million naira. <laughs> now they've never even given them the service charge per month per year. Things are hard now. The group of bowling men, you know, like you know, um, oil. You know, there one is a working company, one is a pastor, you know, one is an engineer. And they were just. Companies got guys that even living above the inflationary economy, they were complaining that, man, school fees have just gone up, 25% increase. But again, it's their fault, right? <laughs> we that went to Kwekwe school and those people that went to bowling school those years, all of us ended in UI. <laughs> but you see, so this thing is not just affecting those at the top, it's also affecting those at the bottom. Families once had money left over at the end of every month. Now, families are having lots of months left over at the end of their money. <laughs> and how are we responding? How are we responding? Arm robbery has increased. The editor that works with me, after we finished our show recently, he told me that ah, he can't go home. I said, why? Ah, this is one of the earliest times we finished our show. Why can't you go home? He said, ah, now they are robbing. You know, he lives in a better side. Like they rob gunpoint, your phone, your wallet, ATM card, they're even stealing cars at gunpoint. So you have to stay over and leave first in the morning. Or some people are responding by saying, oh, if I cannot steal with the power of the gun, I can steal with the power of the pen. Now you're adding, you know, extra zeros, find ways to collect bribe, charge changing. Students are adding extra zeros on the cost of textbooks like we've always done. <laughs> and for those of us that are not responding on that extreme, others of us, are just anxious about money, anxious about our investments, anxious about our savings. For those of us who used to pray about our money spending before, now we don't even bother. And so this morning, 
I want to say something to everyone, to the robbers and to those who are anxious about their investments. Something that we must admit that Pastor David, Ibeomi, Pastor David, <laughs> something that we must admit, something that we must admit that Pastor David understands, something that all Christians should understand, that all expenses are paid. We started this series weeks ago, we said from the book of Ezra, we call it the gracious turnaround. And today we get to this part in Ezra 6, and someone all expense paid. That's the title of the someone. I'm going to see it in three, three points. The first is, all your expenses are paid. All your expenses are paid. By God, how many of us know this? Um, how many of us know Lai Wasabi? Uh-huh, the guy is bully now. He's living above his inflationary economy. <laughs> I'm very sure. Endorsement deals, everything up, up and down. So there's a popular skit of his. I don't know if I've seen that with popular skits. Um, but boy, you're funny now. <laughs> you know that one? But boy, you're funny now. And so in this skit now, Lai plays a character, right? Oof, uh, a police character. And then a car just pulls up. And the man just went, he went to the guy and said, ah, what is it that you do for a living? And the guy looked at him and said, inside the car, the guy said, ah, I'm a skit maker. He said, eh, aha, you're driving a Benz. He said, huh, what is your name? The guy said, um, I'm Lai Wasabi. He said, ah, Sabino. He said, no, Lai Wasabi. He said, ah, 2020 Benz. He said, calm down, calm down. He said, ah, I know you now. You are not that funny. <laughs> 2020 Benz. Come down. And some other guys were screaming at behind, this, behind, behind the camera. A guy was saying, oh, but boy, you're funny now. And, and this guy has never ever made me laugh in my life. And see what Lai is saying. Lai is saying that, with that skit, he's saying that what this guy has, what this guy owns, what he does is not capable of providing this. No, it doesn't commensurate. It's not commensurate. And you see, there's a thing that we're trying to, that we must understand first here. That God owns everything. You see, the wristwatch on your hand, the bag on your shoulder, the shoes on your feet belongs to God. This is what the Bible says. Everything belongs to God. So that, that if, we, if we consider it deeply enough, I can ask you, ah, this guy is a real estate guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's, not, it's not real estate that is providing the shoe. You know, we can say that this guy who is an engineer, ah, uh-huh. my boy, engineer now. No, 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 no. Ah, engineer that is making him have this kind of house. No. The Bible is saying that God, you see, look at what Deuteronomy 10, 14 says. It says, Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth, and all that is in it. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There are two ways on earth that would define ownership. It's all ownerships. Whatever your investment banker or your property dealer, there are two ways we can classify all kinds of ownerships. It is either I own or we own. Is it some kind of sole proprietorship or is it that two people own it or a group of people own it or, or a government owns it or a community owns it? I own or we own. But the biblical idea of ownership emphasizes that the true owner is the one who has something without having received it from anyone. The true owner doesn't need anything because he has everything. 
And only God really fits these requirements. Acts 17.25. He says, And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. That everything else includes the wristwatch on your hand, includes your shoe, includes your house in that service estate. What do we have that we have not received? 1 Corinthians 4.7. Is it your body? Psalm 139 verse 13. He said, you've been knitted in the womb. Is it food? God gives food to the hungry. Psalm 136 verse 7. Is it the clothes? How does he who clothes the lily of the field? How can he not clothe? Is it your family? The Lord places the solitary in family. 68 verse 6. Is it your, the land? Leviticus 12, 25, 23. He gives the land. Is it the house that you build on the land? Deuteronomy 6, 11. Is it a spouse? He that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. Is it your children? Children are a heritage of the Lord. An offspring, a reward from him. I want to say verse 3. Is it even the leaders that we voted? He said, no, he has placed them in authority. Romans 13, 2. And he said, okay, I don't know those things. At least I own myself. No. Psalm 139, verse 16, he says, you see, that I have determined long ago all the days, before you will know, he informed you in the womb, and he determined all the days that you believe that you live. Written in this book. You don't even own yourself. And then if you're a Christian, ah, it's worse. It's, it's, it's worse or better. It depends how you see it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. What does it say? It says, I know you not that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. I have bought you with a price. He owns you in creation. Now he owns you in redemption. So this is what I mean when I say all your expenses are paid by God. Verse 10 of our text, Ezra 6, what does it say? He said, so, verse 10b, he says, so they can pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Even the king that is saying that, oh, they should bring all these things to the royal treasury. They should bring all these things to the building. He knows where his wealth. He knows where all that is given to this work came from. He said, pray for the well-being. Without this prayer, without this source that makes it available, there will be nothing to offer. He said, in a time like this, this understanding means a lot to those who have a lot and are living above the inflationary economy, or to those who don't have a lot. So first, to those who have a lot. We know that some people are still balling in this economy. We know, Abby. They are balling as if there is nothing. Is that how I know when I go and buy suya from Booker Hot? That's how I know. I will go to Booker Hot. I used to go to Booker Hot every week before to buy ram suya. But now I go once a month. Things are hard. <laughs> So I go there and buy 9 p.m. I'm asking, please give me three beef toast. And I say, beef toast has finished. Beef toast has, who is buying it? <laughs> beef toast 800 by 9 p.m. How come? But it's just people buying all this today. And so people will buy, I will buy. If they are buying beef toast at that amount at this time, then you know that some people are definitely balling. <laughs> but this is the question is that even if you have worked very hard for what you have, you see, even if it may be true that you put in long hours to get to where you are, hear this, Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18, look what it says. He said, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Pastor Tim Keller, blessed memory, 
He used to make these arguments. When he's making these arguments, he says, if it was not for God, you could have been born in Mongolia in the 11th century. Then where would you have been financially? <laughs> 50 years ago in Sudan. Where is a uh, piggy vest and carry wise? <laughs> so you see, when we have this understanding of ownership, as, as a person who has a lot, you cannot, you should not afford, you cannot afford to sneer at the poor or those that are not as rich as you. You cannot afford to be condescending. Now, what about those who don't have a lot? You see, it's easy to take this approach when you don't have a lot in a time like this. It's easy to take the approach of, you know, you, we look at our own finances. We forget God's sovereign ownership of creation. Then we expect him to care for us as if he owes us something. You know, we beef the rich. And then we beef God. But look how God responds in Job 41.11. He says, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Guys, look how we're responding. You know that MMM schemes are coming back again. How many of us know? A friend of me, a family of mine, sent me one of them. He said, help me read through, examine it, and tell him how much you should invest. <laughs> it's coming back. It's in times like this I come back. Forex traders are springing up on WhatsApp groups everywhere. Teaching people how to trade Forex. Forex traders that became Forex traders by attending Forex trading classes. Then he now, he now rose from that, now starts his own Forex trading classes. Ask the guy how much he has traded. His pedigree is that he attended a Forex trading class. Just bringing up. You see, but when we understand that God owns everything, that all our expenses are provided by him, look at how we respond. You read Psalm 50, verse 10. And you respond like Corrie Temple. Look at some people's stand. It says, For every animal on the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. You read this text and you respond like Corrie Temple, the author of the hiding place. All of her family were lost in the Holocaust. She was the only one who survived. Look how she responds. She reads this text. She says, Hmm, my finances are always in the realms of God's miracles. He is my heavenly treasurer. When I need money, and I often do, I say to him, Father in heaven, in the Bible, it says that you have cattle on a thousand ewes. That's quite a lot. Quite a lot. Will you sell your cows and give me the money? You see, and he always does so. Guys, as a person who does not have a lot, struggling in time like this, the honor is on you to say, God owns everything. He owns the cattle of a thousand ewes. God, can you sell some of your cows and give me the money? Guys, do you know how much one cow is now? Do you know how much is one cow? You go sell one, and you know God's cow. <laughs> forget that, forget about that, uh, that dream that Joseph Jimbo. God's cow is the big cow. It's not the small one that's only the big one, the big one. Big cow. If God said two, three, or five, he has plenty, he can sell 100 and give you. Guys, what I'm saying is that, in fact, you can expect to prosper 
even during uncertain times. Why? How can we be so sure? Because your money isn't subject to the government, your money isn't subject to the economy or your job or any other outside source. Hey, 419, Philippians 419, what did he say? He said, my God shall supply all your needs according what? To the economy? To your job? To the government policy? No, he said, according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. Industry matters. Conscientiousness matters. Working hard counts. No, don't go and be fighting over God's cows like as men. No. You see, in this text in Ezra 6, we see all kinds of hard workers here. In verse 1, you see historians. Those that searched through all the archives in Ekbatana and they found the memorandum. Those are historians working hard. You see administrators like 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 Lashatina, like Boza, like all those guys there, those names. You see builders, those that will build the temple. You see, architects that would have designed, engineers that will work on it. You see, investment bank, bankers and treasurers who will determine the money from treasury, accumulate together and give it. You see, politicians like King Darius, the priests, the elders, pastors, working hard. But more so in a time like this, like we learned in financial seminar yesterday, it is a time to say, okay, where are these cows? Where are these God's cows and a thousand eels? Where are all these eels where God's cows are existing that I can tap into, that I can find? Do you know how you begin to ask yourself, maybe I can hide inside also. Maybe I can hide an extra remote job. Oh, like Tikin Fei told us yesterday, he said, oh, maybe you should go again and listen to President Tinubu's speech where he outlined, she said that she's an investment banker with over 23 years experience. She said, there are numerous opportunities to prosper if you pay attention to that speech. Well, opportunities that have risen because, especially because of inflation. So guys, boy, as you do this, do not forget, this is the approach. Some of us think that, oh, I work, and so I bless my work because of how I do my attitude. Yes, there's that approach. Oh, there's the approach of, oh, I work, and God bless. Oh, you're a bit more, you know, in the game. But this is what I want you to have. That no, God walks through me and God bless. That is the right approach. God creates, he sustains, he makes things grow. If we do not grasp this, we will never use our money well. We will never give money well. All your expenses are paid by God. And if so, what next? The second point, all God's expenses are paid by God. All God's expenses. You see, if God owns everything, if everything we have, we have received from him. If God owns everything that we have, then a lack of generosity is not just stinginess. It is robbery. If you are not giving, you are taking. You see, Ezra 6 it's mostly about King Darius's generosity. But in verse 5 of our text, we see the attitude of another king. He says, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar took the silver and gold meant for the temple, meant for the house of God. He took. God says in Agai 2 verse 8, he says, the silver and gold are mine. Nebuchadnezzar says, no, the silver and gold are mine. God says, the silver and gold are mine. Nebuchadnezzar says, no, the silver and gold are mine. This is robbery.
And before we start thinking that we are better than Nebuchadnezzar, how many of us, if you grew up in a Christian home as a child, spent the money that your parents gave you for offering? How many of you? Can you raise up your hand? It's a safe space. And some of us are forming spirit cocoa. But me, I did. I did. I just take it a lot. They'll give you offering. Oh, praise in Allah. That's what real. That time the box is always in the front. Praise in Allah. Take it. People pass inside. You go front. Hey, always. And I don't get to the offering box. Like, hey, hey. Not only that. There used to be a contribution in my church back then. It was five naira per day back then. Five naira. And so that at the end of the week, it was 35 naira each person could pay. But if you had more than 35, some people gave 500 naira per week. Some people gave 1,000, 2,000 and upwards. So then I don't know what made them, I don't know what entered the person. Then that made me collector. So I would collect, but I was, not, I was not stealing. I was not stealing. I was just borrowing the money. <laughs> so I would say, okay, ah, uh, five, five naira times four. How much is that? One to five. Uh-uh. We will pay next month, yeah. Then I don't know what again, I don't want again, I don't want again. And that's how. Yes. <laughs> but you know, stop there. The first salary I ever earned as a young man, I gave it to God as first fruits, completely. But then fast forward, years down the line. So I said, ah, this year we're going to give first fruits, we're going to give first fruits. So somehow, somehow, I did not give that first fruit, I spent it. So I said, I will give it in February. I'll give it to February salary, is there. What is going to happen in February? But February came. I don't know when he left. <laughs> March came. April. I just don't know. What does God really mean about first fruits? What does it really mean? What does the Bible even say about this day? Let's, let's examine the scriptures. Let's go. Okay. So first fruits. First fruits. It means that the first. Are you with me? The first. The first salary. The first income. January has passed. The second has passed. The third month has passed. Why in April? Come on. Come on. Let's not misinterpret scriptures here. Let's be faithful to the word. You see, but when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about taking just church gifts. The temple here is not just the local church. The temple was the institutional seat for the service of God for the entire society. From there, the needs of the church, ministries, the poor in and outside the church, NGOs, community needs, this is how they were met. Today, there is no church that is parallel to that. So your generosity is not just to your church, that is primary, but your generosity is to charities also, to missions also, to NGOs also, causes, needs of the communities. And not doing that, not using your money in that way, is robbing God. I like Prophet Malachi. Malachi calls it like it is. Malachi 3.8. He said, will a mere mortal rob God? How can a mere mortal rob God? He said, but you ask. He said, how are we robbing you? God says, in tithes and offerings. He said, giving again. Lack of generosity is robbery. Not using God's money the way he wants you to use it. And so, so this, this is how I try to wire my, my mind and my heart as I approach this. You see, I'd like to, I'd like to tell myself, that God's money is in my bank account. I am God's investment manager. I am to give. And I cannot lie 
the biblical guideline of the tithes, 10%, as a bare minimum, looks pretty good. It's really good. Given that God is the owner of all things and I'm just a caretaker, our tithing is an incredible deal by any standard. Now imagine being a stockbroker who can keep 90% of the dividends of the clients. Imagine renting a farm and only giving the owner 10% of the proceeds. <laughs> imagine being lent a car to do Uber and you only have to remit 10% of the earnings. Bro, check out. <laughs> a failure to use God's money as he wishes for his investments is not being stingy. It is being a thief, a robber. You see, God's money for that orphanage is in your account. The one for the cleaners in your office is in your account. For the starving artist is in your account. The one for that missionary serving in Sudan is in your account. So if a lack of generosity is stealing, is robbery, then what is generosity? Look at verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8 of our text. He said, this work is the temple of God. This work is the house of God, of God, of God, of God. These are God's expenses. You see, if God pays for our expenses, who is going to pay for God's expenses? God, of course. Do you think if he is able to fund you, he won't be able to fund himself? Look at Psalm 50, verse 9 to 12 again. He says that, he says, I, I have no need of a bull or a goat or a ram. The cattle on the thousand eels belong to me. He said, if I wanted a, cat, a cow or a ram, you think I'll come and meet you? <laughs> you, Nigeria, inflationary economy, you think I'll come and meet you? No. He said, I can fund myself. So what then is generosity? Generosity is God involving us in his kingdom work when he doesn't even need us. But he said, I want to involve you. But why does it involve us? Why does he want to do it through our generosity? Why? It's because generosity is worship. Generosity is a privilege. David had gathered people to build the temple. They gathered all the materials and everything. And then David could not just help. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14, he says, Oh, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And what we have given you only comes from what? From your hand. You see, but verse 3b and 10a of our text also says that, you see, he's saying that they should build the temple so that they can present sacrifices. So yes, that, that also mirrors worship. But it also shows that it, it has to be demanding. It also shows that it has to be sacrificial. And again, this means something for those who have a lot. First. So you're asking yourself, okay, if I'm going to be this generous, if I'm going to be this sacrificial in my giving, does that mean I should sell all I have and give to the poor? Perhaps. God might be calling some to that. But not most. You see, all Christians cannot live in voluntary poverty. Because then there will be all kinds of communities in the world with no Christians at all. That can be. God wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you make so much money, way above the inflationary economy, 
it is most likely right and important that you live in a neighborhood and move in circles with others who make a similar income. Why? We need Christians in every class, in every neighborhood, and in every circle. I want to say a few practical things to you. Practical things. As you live in this circle, as you live in this circle, you must aim for the bottom end. You see, the more you go up in the world, the more you go up in your profession, the more money you have, the older you get, the more successful you get, the bigger the distance should be between how you could live and how you do live. Not everything that everybody in your circle do is a necessity for you. You don't have to travel as much as they do. You should not stop traveling. There are benefits for that. But you don't have to travel as much as they do. You see, second practice I want to tell you is you need to rethink how you are giving to church, to causes. I'm even assuming that you are giving already to church, to NGOs, to charities, and to missions. You need to rethink it. Because inflation, as it's affecting you and eating you, imagine how much is affecting the church. Imagine how it's affecting the NGOs. You see, as your purchasing power has gone down, it also means that the purchasing power of these NGOs and these churches have gone down. So they are not also able to meet their needs and they rely on gifts. So what does that mean? It means that you need to make your giving steady. It means that you need to increase your giving. It means that, you know, for the NGOs, it means that now that things are hard, that means more people are suffering and then more people will run to the NGOs for help. So it means that their own needs too have even increased and your giving is still the same. No. It means that you have to rethink what you give. These are two, these are three practical things. Two practical. You see, what about those who don't have a lot? What about those who don't have a lot? I'm talking about those of us who are making very little money. I'm talking about those of us who, because we have no job, because we've lost our jobs, or because our businesses are struggling because of the hard times, they are struggling so hard that if we are to simply put food on the table, if we are to put a roof over our family's heads, we can never give 10%. Like, there is even no 10% to give. Like, people that even in, in, your, in circumstances that we are, that if you give away 3%, that is very, very sacrificial. I'm talking about that. I want to tell you this. Those whose generosity was celebrated in scripture, we are often individuals and groups who we are facing significant financial difficulties. The hungry widow with only a jar of oil. The widow that had only two coins left and she put it in the treasury. Or the Macedonians that Paul spoke of in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. See, having said that, I still want to say some practical things to you so that you can be more generous, so that you can think in kingdom even as hard things are. One is, can you consider donating your time? It's not like people who have a lot should not donate their time, no. But it means that because you don't have as much, even your time is even more precious to you and can serve a lot to these causes, to the church, to the NGO, to your community. Consider donating your time, spending an extra hour at the center, Give your time to serve in church. Get the best deal for everything. Get the best deal. What's the difference between Colgate and Close-Up? What's the difference? Tell me. 
You can cut costs. In the adverts for Colgate and Close Up, all the people there are always shining their teeth, and their teeth are always white. There is no difference. So you're not going to buy these expensive Colgate when you can use this Close Up, traditional, long time serving, meritorious brand. I no longer buy Ramsuya from Buka Oats. The same Ramsuya in Buka Oats, one four for one tiny shrunk, shrunk um, Ramsuya is the same in Yaba near Ozone Cinema, 300 Naira. And they will treat you with better customer service. The Malam will bring it out, put it on the chair and say, pick, okay, pick. <laughs> 300 Naira. Buka Oats, they will send you. Please, guys, don't look at my face. So how many are you buying? Four. Take public transport. We are not above public transport. Who is above public transport? I know that we can do more work in Uber, in InDrive, in this, that. But Keke has benefits. <laughs> do you know connection in, that you can make in Keke? You meet people. You talk to people. You engage. You evangelize. In Uber, you're those lonely there, thinking about the problems in life, thinking about you have not been, or that you have not achieved. But in Keke, you meet people. You save costs. You have more to give to the kingdom. Guys, God always, you know that, you're laughing, but you know that it's true, right? God always has enough, more than enough for his work. Even now, as hard as things are, God covers his expenses. It's his work. He will fund it. He funds it. My third point, final point. All the world's expenses are paid. All the world's expenses are paid by God. So we've seen all your expenses are paid by God. All God's ex expenses are paid by God. Now all the world's expenses are paid by God. Verse 10 again. He says, whatever is needed must be given so that they may offer sacrifices and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Guys, do you see this? The king and his sons, they don't have enough to give. If they, like you see, it's connect, like the prayer, the work of the kingdom, the generosity has an impact on the well-being of the king and his, and his generations. Guys, what this means? It means that economic Social, cultural, religious, political well-being of our society is tied to our generosity. Without it, flourishing and thriving is threatened. The social fabric unravels. There are genuine threats. Look at vivid threats to the flourishing of our society. Verses 11 to 12. Look at it. Verse 11 to 12 shows us clear. The first thing we see is a, is a, a beam. He said, whoever defies this edict, whoever does not want to live this generosity, whoever does not want to walk for this kingdom walk, look what he said. He said, a beam is to be pulled from their house. Beams are for stability. Beams are for order. Beams are for structure. Without beam, a house crumbles. Guys, and every man for himself society is a crumbling society. You see, their house is to be made a place of rubble, a refuse heap in some translations. Guys, we cannot build a house that will last for ourselves if we're not building God's own, if we're not using money the way God wants us to use it. It will end in rubble. Ah, making a person's house a refuse heap, you know what it means really? The literal translation is that it means for the house to become 
a public latrine. Guys, think of it. That is what our society is becoming without our generosity. That is what is becoming when we care for only ourselves and ourselves alone. It's become so foul, so smelly. It's become so unbearable, so unlivable that who, who, who can stay? Who can stay and live where there's a public latrine? Can you live inside with a public latrine, inside a public latrine? No. So what do we do? We have no option other than to leave our country, to leave our society, to chakra, because we've, we've turned it into a public latrine. Guys, and look at this. He says, and for this crime, hey, it is not just a sin. It is a crime not to be part of the work of God. It is a crime not to use our resources like this. We carry in our bodies guilt. We carry in our hearts condemnation. Guys, because robbers are criminals. Because we fail to use God's what we are taking, we are robbing. We are criminals. And what do we do to robbers when we catch them? Oh, in most places, in most societies around us, it is still, it is still common for us to catch robbers and beat them. We beat them. We beat them and beat them. We used to burn them. And it's in times like this, in times as hard as this, that we burn them. Oh, we find someone who steals a magic cube in the market. They gather around and they beat them to pop and put tires on them and set them on fire. That's how we teach you. Thieves and robbers in times like this. Jungle justice, yes, it is not approved in any way. But this is how we treat robbers. Guys, remember, if you're old enough or your parents have told you stories of Babbage in those years, robbers will be lined up on Babbage, tied, tied to poles. Oh, ask them to give their final statements. Make a spectacle of them. And then they are shot repeatedly, repeatedly, sprayed bullets repeatedly until they die. And the following week, more robbers are bought. Oh, in the following week, robbers are bought. Oh, it's every day for the thief, but one day for the owner. They are brought to Babbage. Shots and killed continuously. Guys, look at that. Look at the worst. Look at the worst threats. Look at the worst threats to anyone for not living this generous life. It says to be impaled on a beam. Impaled. What does that mean? Impaling was a common kind of punishment in the ancient Near East for grave offenses. One end of a beam was sharpened and the other side planted in the ground. The sharp point was inserted under the chest of a person and pushed through his esophagus and lungs, left to hang until he died. What picture does this bring? Guys, this is similar to crucifixion. 2,000 years ago, every day, guys, every day for the thief, one day for the owner. Every day for the thief, one day for the owner. 2,000 years ago, an owner showed up. He came to rebuild his house. Oh, he gave everything he had for the work. He healed the people that are stolen from him. He ate with them. He showed his ownership of all, of everything by directing nature, by commanding demons, by canceling death according to his will. He spoke with his robbers. Beat them. No, he did not beat them. Burn them. No, he did not burn them. He was a man of love. He was a preacher of love. He did not come to steal or to kill or to destroy. No. But what did he get in return? What did he get in return? Jesus was beat up. Beat up like the alufo. Beaten to a pulp. Then he was impaled. Crucified. Crucified like a thief. Crucified amongst two robbers. 
Was he a thief? No. A thief takes and takes and takes. This man had given and given. One of the thieves with him said, I know you are innocent. You are not one of us. Why did this owner do this? Why did the owner not come and execute the thieves? Why? Why? The owner. Oh my. Even, even in that space, the owner displayed his ownership of all things, both on earth and in heaven, right here on the cross. What did he do? He told that thief, he showed his ownership, he told the thief, he said, today, even now that I'm on this cross, today, you will be with me in paradise. Guys, Jesus died for all of us who have taken from God what belongs to him. He died to save us from all that we owe him. He died to pay our debts, debts that we cannot pay. How much do you owe God? Can you calculate it? Even if you are giving him 90% of all that you have, that remaining 10%, is it for you? Even if you are giving him 100%, that sigh that you heave when you drop the last card, he gave it to you. Jesus paid it all for the guilt of those who stole church offering, for those who ate their tithes, for those who squandered the angel's money, those who are too anxious about their money, for those who find it hard to pray about their money usage, for those who don't believe that their ideas to make wealth are from God because they don't even think that there is a God. Jesus paid it all for you. Jesus paid all the world's expenses. Why? The verse 8b of our text, Ezra 6, look what it says. It says that the expenses are to be fully paid. The expenses are to be fully paid. The expenses are to be fully paid. So that what? So that what? The work will not stop. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all so that he can finish his work. He finished his work so that you can continue the work. So that you can start your work. Guys, go ahead and give him everything that he has given you with cheerfulness, with love, in response to this owner, this owner of owners who has given you everything. Who keeps giving you everything even when you fail to recognize him? Even when you fail to worship him? Even when you fail to take advantage of this privilege, go ahead and give him everything. Can you rise up and give him everything? 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 Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast, and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City